Hello and welcome to the St. Emlyn's podcast. I'm Simon Carley and today I'm just going to be running through a couple of the highlights of the blog from August. I know it's not August anymore. It's, in, well, it's October. We've been so busy putting together the St. Emlyn's Live and the teaching course in Manchester. More about that on a later podcast. It's been a great week. But we are a little bit behind the times, but that's okay. I just want to round up and let's do a bit of space repetition about what was on the blog back in August. So we've got a couple of blogs from Natalie May about her experiences of going to the Emergency Medicine of South Australia conference where she was a keynote speaker. Did a couple of things out there. A big section on feedback, which we're going to do more of at the SMAC conference actually next year, which is quite good. There was a couple of really interesting sessions that she pulled out. One was about the use of apps in medicine. So which apps actually are useful if you are a clinician working in emergency care? And there's some really good top tips on there, most of which I've got. And it's a variety of clinical stuff. So things like good SAM responders, but also quite a lot of productivity. And many of them link into a post which Scott Weingart did a few years ago about um, getting things done. That wasn't quite the title, but it's it's close, but I'm not swearing. And gosh, it was an amazing post that he put together. And a lot of that we followed. And this is a bit of an update on that, I think, in a way, because it gives you some of the ideas about what you can use to increase your productivity in an increasingly busy and complex world. So have a look at that. It's not just her tip. She's also got some tips on there from people like Jesse Spur, who we hugely respect. She also did a session on lessons learned. I think that's a good thing to do at a conference. They got five people together, Gary Berkovitz, Jesse Spur, Natalie, Ian Summers, and our old friend, Tim Lewenberg. And they did a session at the conference where people talked about where things not hadn't necessarily gone right. And what was interesting about that is that it wasn't just about clinical stuff. So it wasn't like I put the chest train in the heart and everything went wrong. It was more about what people might say is the soft skills. Of course, they're not the soft skills. So things like communication, handover, um, awareness of equality and diversity issues in the ED. And, and that was Nat. She talked about an equality and diversity issue where she got it wrong and consultation didn't go brilliantly. I think it's really important to talk about those sort of things because they are the bits which are difficult to learn from a book and also the elements which can make a real difference to your experience of your clinician and for your patients. So I'd, I'd have a look through those, read through them. Because they've got the five examples are on there. Um, they're very good. And it makes a difference in your emergency department and your interaction with colleagues and patients if you get these sort of things right. Soft skills, yes, but it's the hard stuff to learn. Then there's a nice post, a great post actually, on Troponin from our friend Rick Body, of course. Now, Rick knows more about Troponin than pretty much anybody else I know on the planet. And he keeps bringing out these nuggets of information, which are really interesting. And this one is about uh, troponin samples and particularly high sensitive troponin samples. And I didn't know this, but actually, if you've got a patient who's taking biotin supplements, some of the analyzers don't work. They get negative results for the troponin, even if it's raised. Now, this is important. You can actually miss a myocardial infarction in a patient. Now, there's some complexity about this. You need to go and have a look at the blog post to work out if it's an analyzer that you're using, which is affected, because not all of them are. But what it does mean is if you are using high sensitive troponins in the emergency department, either find out which analyzer your lab is using so that you know whether it's affected or not, or routinely ask about biotin levels in your patients, because if you don't, you could risk making a pretty serious error. So don't do that. So what else did we do in August? We had a lot of fun. We talked about SMAC, upcoming conference, of course, which will be great for um, those of you who are fortunate enough to go. And I know that the ballot's gone out. I think there's another ballot coming out soon. So get your name down for that if you can. It is going to be the last SMAC. So if you can make the effort to get out there, I, I know quite a lot about what's going on. It's going to be amazing. Now, we also talked about the CESA route. Now, if you're international, you might not know about this, but essentially in the UK, you can either become a consultant stroke attending 
by going through a recognised training programme, which in the UK for emergency medicine is a six-year programme after your foundation jobs. Now, things changed and you don't have to do that anymore. You can do what's called a CESAR. So a CESAR instead of a CCT is a different way of coming out the end of training. So it's a certificate of eligibility of specialist registration. It means that you can get a you know top job and be a consultant. Now, the problem with this is that the goalposts for how you do that, which is essentially a portfolio-based system, have moved. And Gareth is going through this process, and Gareth has just recently been appointed as a consultant with us, having gone through this with us. I think it's a really useful blog to go through, particularly if it's a route that you think you might be considering in the future, because there's some really top advice in here. Might seem obvious, but things like, if you're thinking about it, start collecting evidence now get information in there and get an understanding of what it is that they want. Because sequentially, you're going to have to acquire quite a lot of evidence over a period of time. And it's expensive. Putting a CSIC application together is not an inexpensive task, both in terms of the actual money required to submit it and also the amount of time it takes to put it together. Now, there's a great phrase, isn't there? You know, only a fool learns from his own mistakes or wise man learns from the mistakes of others. And Gareth He's no fool, believe me. But going through the process, he's learned so much. So if Caesar is a route you're interested in, or if you know anybody else who's interested in going down that route, then please point them in Gareth's direction. He's also contactable for help and advice as well. And it's turned out great with him. He's coming to work with us in Birchester as a, a super emergency physician. We've also got some evidence in the blog this month, of course. And there's a really nice review of intravenous fluids in critical care published by three of the greatest minds in this area internationally. So Simon Finfer, John Myberg, and um, Raimondo Bolomo. They are incredible speakers. They've done a huge amount of the research here and they've put a review together for Nature Reviews Nephrology about how we should be using fluids and where the level of evidence sits at the moment. It's really interesting. I and mean, there's a couple of highlights there. I've put them up on the blog if you don't want to read the whole paper. But number one, the evidence base for most IV fluids is terrible. It's shocking, actually. It's amazing that we do all of this intravenous fluid therapy, and yet the evidence base is terrible. And I talked about this on a previous podcast with Steve Playfor in children. Well, hey, guess what? It's the same in adults. What else? The, the approach that I grew up to fluid therapy, which is basically fill them up, fill them up, fill them up, fill them up until they can't take any more, is probably harmful for patients. And we should be probably more cautious generally, but at least more mindful about how we do that. We also know that the type of fluid that we use and how much we use is going to be influenced by the type of shock. So the, most of this paper is about our critically ill shocked patients. So how we choose the right fluid and how much we give and also how do we know whether it's worked is really important. And probably, and again, the evidence isn't fantastic, echo and ultrasound bedside point of care ultrasound testing is almost certainly the way forward this because it's dynamic. It gives us an idea of what's going on. They also talk about the idea of the glycocalyx. Again, this has been covered much better by people like Scott Weingart on the MCRIT podcast. But we're now starting to understand that the barrier between intravascular and extracellular fluid and how that is managed in illness is increasingly becoming important about how we judge which fluids to use and perhaps whether we can get more of an idea of predicting how our patients are going to respond to it. Then there's some other sort of headline stuff starch solutions, hydroxyethyl starch solutions we shouldn't be using. We've talked about that on the blog before, but amazingly, they are still used around the world in some places. Gelatin, gosh, I haven't seen it in my department for years, but apparently it's still out there. Again, we shouldn't be using it. 
human albumin. We don't use a lot of it in the emergency departments. Our critical care colleagues do a little bit. Perhaps it's got a slight advantage in sepsis and bacterial peritonitis, but the, the evidence is not fantastic. Certainly shouldn't be using it in traumatic brain injury. And in general, it for other, most conditions, it probably doesn't have a, a significant advantage. And then one of the questions which is still out there, and we're waiting for the bigger trials to come out, um, having seen things like the split trial, is we don't really yet understand the difference between balanced solutions and uh, normal saline. They don't think the evidence is there. I've got to admit, I think that there's enough evidence that it probably has no advantage. Normal saline has, I can't see it having any advantage over using balanced solutions. So personally, I think I've moved over to that. And I think most of my colleagues have in Virchester as well. So if you want to read and get just up to speed with the latest and greatest on intravenous fluid management in critically ill adults, particularly shocked adults, that's a must read. You just got to do it and then distribute to colleagues. It's a really good paper and it will bring you up to speed on where the evidence base is right now. Then we, I've just mentioned it in brief, but we had that fantastic paper review and then the podcast on moral injury with Esther Murray. If you haven't listened to that, it's fantastic. We've had some rave reviews back on that. I think she speaks really well about it. And if you've worked in emergency or critical care, that paper will chime with you. It will, you'll feel why it is that we are all potentially at risk of moral injury because of the things we see and the things we experience. Now, the evidence isn't fantastic there yet. This is a small study. It's really sort of a pilot study. But it is something we should think about, particularly as we now have a greater focus on understanding how we can maximise the way that we feel about our jobs so that we can keep doing it for the many years that we need to do, and particularly in the UK as the pension ages go back. So that really rounded off August. Quite a few things in there. The conference Nass attended, the intravenous fluid paper, which I think you absolutely need to read, the CESA documentation, if you want to go through an alternative route to emergency medicine training in the UK, very useful. Some apps to have a look at. And don't forget the fact that if you're going to do troponin tests, you really need to know whether your patient's on biotin. And if you don't need to ask that question all the time, it's only because you already know which type of analyzer you're using and you know that it's not affected. So maybe that's your little task for next week is to go out and find out. You'll hear a little bit more from me soon on the September podcast. And then I'm really looking forward. We've got some really good media to come out of the latest conferences. So I will speak to you soon. Have fun. Mm -hmm.